This one is entitled, thankfully, thanks to Fitz, Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting. Ha! Um, <laughs> <laughs> So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at some news from around the league, a couple of the games from last week. We've got a bit of our mid-season review of how badly our predictions for the year have gone so far, and then we're going to look forward to the games for next week. So hey guys, we've got Connor, we've got Harry. How are you? And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? Yeah, grand. I uh, had a uh, work night out on Friday, so I recovered today, which yeah. is Tuesday. <laughs> It was a bit intense. Like for the first time in my life, I sampled the wonders of a KFC double down. Oh wow! Actually, yeah. Uh, to our American listeners, they'll know what these are, but these are new to Ireland. So these are the ones where instead of a bun, they have two pieces of chicken sandwiching. Is it cheese and bacon and stuff? And barbecue sauce. And I will tell you this straight up: it is not good. Not good. Dry ass <laughs> chicken. Dry ass chicken. Not have guessed that. And like these, I was, but I could tell it was not good. I was shit faced. Like gonna... I'm shit faced three o'clock in the morning, and I knew it wasn't good. Yeah, That's but also, shorty, the fact that you're buying at three o'clock. In the morning might be maybe it's not the freshest at that point. That could be having to do with it. It might not have been, it might have been an old one right down the back of the radiator. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it might not be the cooked fresh to order at that point of the night. No, well, it's KFC, so I mean, I'm like, pushing it with that. True. But uh, uh, they have, as you know, now opened up a Boojum around the corner, which for those who don't know is probably the best burrito chain in Ireland. So I'm very pleased about that, and I've been eating. Nothing but burritos for the last three days. <laughs> Nothing but burritos and double down chicken burgers. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough period of my life. Like. <laughs> oh my! Um, but yeah, what about yourself? It's how's all down in Cork? Uh, good. Just uh, starting a week and a half long holiday now. All those after all those weeks of like, oh, the project's going to get done. I finally took in the post project holiday, like uh, two months late, but uh, you know, never late, never be- you know, better late than never, you know what they say. That's true, yeah, that'll be good. So that'll be fun. I'm coming down to meet you at the, for the weekend, myself and one for of the For the Super mates. Sports Saturday. Jesus, yeah. I was like, what are we going to do on Saturday? It's like, well, there's uh, listen, soccer followed by rugby followed by something else. Yeah, so there's two international games, both involving the Irish team, one in rugby, one in one in soccer. So uh, should be uh, fun times. We'll definitely uh, definitely be out and doing like things like walks and productive things in our lives rather than sitting in the pub all day on Saturday. <laughs> certainly, certainly. <laughs> yeah, but that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, should be good. Yeah, similar. Fairly quiet and work. Started the course now, so I'm now a little bit more pressed for time in the afternoons, trying to get some study on. And I've realised that while I remember how some knots work, I don't really know why it works. So uh, that's fun. Uh, Try to remember earlier today. It's like, I know we use natural log here, but I can't remember. Is log time because of the inverse of E? Fuck, I'm just completely no, lost. Log, log's that thing when you get you get when you chop a tree down. Ah, right, 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 right. I'm with you now. Uh, that makes it far easier. Although now I'm going to have to email them and ask them why I'm using them in maths. Yeah, don't pretend, uh, don't pretend you don't know what he is. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll fly on to a couple of bits of news from around the league this week. It was, uh, was an alright week of games, but we've got a lot of bits of news coming out of it to, to fly through. So uh, since we talked to you, this happened I think a day after we recorded last week's podcast, uh, quarterback Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans has torn his ACL and he's out for the season. He got this in a non-contact injury while running a run-pass option play, I believe. Uh, this is obviously karma for the Houston Astros winning the, uh, winning the World Series. So you can't have two nice things at the same time. Uh, so obviously this is a big blow. This guy was probably up there, either 1 or 1A in the race for Rookie of the Year. Uh, he was looking excellent, had good numbers. And uh, it, it's really disappointing because we've seen just how far Houston falls off without him, right? Yeah, I mean, the difference. We saw it in Week 1. And then um, 
we saw it again uh, this week that it it is just not the same team. It's not mm-hmm. close to the same team, and that what he can do, he's elevated that team, given them hope um, that that there is things for the future. They finally landed for the first time, really, in the history of the franchise, a quarterback for the future, and um, and now he's exclusively for the future. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> he, is, he is indeed the quarterback for the future. Like you've got to hope he'll bounce back from this and he'll be able to continue mm-hmm. playing. We've seen players come back from ACL injuries, and it does sometimes take a year or two to get back up to full speed even mm. even then but he is young he has got time on his side and he did and tear his ACL in college but it was the other ACL yeah. and he came back from it in I think if I remember correctly in relatively quick time I think it was three or so months ahead of schedule so there's, there's good precedent there I mean the one thing that the, the, the knock on from this really is this has ensured that whatever happens to the rest of the Texan season Bill O'Brien's job is safe yeah um, like if they somehow bumble into the playoffs which looks very unlikely but if they do he's a genius if they don't, oh well, we had Tom Savage at quarterback, what can you do about it? Mm. And uh, because Deshaun Watson has worked out, it's also going to very much whitewash the issue of the, well, we have to literally pay someone to take our previous <laughs> quarterback off our hands. Because it's okay, because the quarterback situation is fixed now, as long as he doesn't get injured. Uh, other injury news around the league, uh, Pierre Garçon, his neck was injured and he's now gone for the season. And, uh, wow. <laughs> Jacuski Tart. Jacuski. Jacuski Tart. Has fractured his arm. He's also gone for the season. So this is two more players from San Francisco to go to injured reserve. I believe it brings them to 26 on the season. So they have an entire half a roster on injured reserve for a team that barely had a roster to start with. Um, this isn't really going to impact anything this year, is it, Fitz? No, like San Francisco are pretty much out of it. The only major question that's left there is if they introduce uh, Jimmy Garoppolo into the lineup, which you would expect that they will do to just see how good he is. Obviously, now they're missing their, their WR1. And that might, you know, affect the evaluation you have, or even just stop the kind of, you know, relationship growing between those two players. Uh, so it's, it's got a bit of an effect. But like considering where they are this this year, I think when they, when they put out Jimmy Garoppolo, if they put him out, it's really just like hoping to see that he's not shit, basically. Yeah. As long as he does a decent job with that, with all the uh, pieces missing, I think they'll be happy enough to to give him the contract that he, he he's looking for. Yeah, of course. Uh, Tampa Bay quarterback James Winston has re-injured his shoulder and he's going to be out for a few weeks. Uh, this probably just solidifies, we were having this discussion last week and we said we'd, we'd discuss it on air this time around. Uh, we want to add Tampa Bay to the list of teams we're just not going to discuss. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think we need to talk about this team in the first place. I definitely don't think we need to talk to them now that they're Ryan Fitzpatrick-led. Yeah. The only thing to note here is that James Winston could end up being shut down for the season. The Bucks have given up. Yeah. And there's been a number of reports out around the league about that, that uh, the t- other teams are aware of this, that they're not trying, that people are chatting. We'll be discussing some of his teammates and their uh, their activities uh, shortly enough. All of whom are on my fantasy roster. Yay! Yay. Um, <laughs> and the only other news I think the note from the injuries that broke today was uh, Brian Beluga, offensive tackle for Green Bay. He's torn his ACL and he is now gone for the season. So that Green Bay team that looks very, very bad with the absence of uh, Aaron Rodgers is now getting worse again. Um, yeah, there's not much to be said about that apart from, God damn it, uh, this might put a bit of pressure on Green Bay to make some changes in their management slash front office. Maybe, but, oh God, you don't know, they're so set in the ways and Ted Thompson's shown that he manages things Ted Thompson style. I mean, look, this oh. is this is this point. You have to, I think you have to look at the, regardless of the blue injury, which really just reinforces it and drives it home. I think in this situation, you have to be looking at the coaching staff so you had a week to prepare. You've actually had this guy for, what, like three years to prepare yeah. him? And he goes out there and, like, he ends up throwing for a decent number of yards. He's doing three for 87 the week before. Mm-hmm. But just 
garbage. Yeah, nothing good happening there. Uh, this is a this is a team that like a, a lot of reports have been coming out in the last week or so saying like is this just showing us how much how large the cracks that Aaron Rodgers is papering over in this team actually are? Like, is this how bad this team is without him? And it's starting to look increasingly like they have built a very poor team that Aaron Rodgers has been carrying uh, significantly more than we thought he was. So Brian Belug out for the season uh, probably not going to impact their postseason hopes at this stage. Uh, next on to our favourite part of this and every week crime and punishment what are they going to do probably felonies uh, this one is entitled thankfully thanks to Fitz everybody was kung fu fighting ha um, <laughs> <laughs> this was a week of fist fights and cheap shots and a whole lot of scrapping uh, we'll start at the top AJ Green and Jalen Ramsey had a scuffle after a play uh, both were suspe- both were ejected but neither have received suspensions for it AJ Green came up behind uh, Jalen Ramsey and grabbed him in a chokehold proper WWE style about to give him a DDT and uh, yeah so it would appear that Jalen also tried to stay keep himself not involved in the fight and yet was still ejected which people are complaining about as it comes to the referees and the fact that they are able to see replays of this and that he actually tried to knock and get involved in it uh, but all this storyline of this is that it was Jalen Ramsey talking a load of shit and pissing off AJ Green and AJ Green swimming for him uh, let's be honest AJ Green I thought would have been more the one of the more level headed players that exists on this Cincinnati Bengals off- or roster yeah you'd think so I mean like bear in mind you have admitted the fact that like while he'd enjoying Green it's not like Green just not like Ramsey pushed Green over and that sort of I think was the straw that broke the camel's back when mm. he escalated to physical so you know, it's hard to hold much chalk up in him. Oh, I didn't do anything holding his hands up while he's getting chokes. Like you pushed him over. Everyone saw it. Like um, the, what was interesting is they, they spoke. To the the referee spoke after the game and said that in very sort of a very formal statement, basically saying that they both already been warned okay. for their conduct during the game. So I don't think Ramsey was just ejected as a result of the push. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they were both been told you need to stop chipping at each other yeah. and didn't. And then when it escalated, they were like, right, that's it. You're both gone. Um, like losing Jalen Ramsey is bad for the Jags, but we know they have a lot of depth in that backfield, so they're probably going to be fine. Losing AJ Green for Cincinnati is just like does it for them. Really? Any vague hope this team had, like that you saw during that game, not having him, they just descended into the Cincinnati the first few weeks with just no ability to move the ball. Basically, yeah, no, of course, it went to pieces. Yeah, it was not good, um, and hopefully, like this is a discipline issue, and it's something that we've complained about other players on that uh, on that team mm. of having. And you got to start again questioning about whether or not they'll have to start looking at moving on from coaches and stuff if this is the type of discipline that they're receiving out of their players. I just think back to this is the playoff game last year where uh, the guys were running around shouting around they literally cost themselves a, cost themselves a playoff game through just indiscipline and stupid shit like this uh, this escalates even further though because uh, next up Mike Evans in a blind hide on Lattimore after he had a bit of a bit of a falling out with uh, Winston on the sidelines uh, so there was a discussion happening I'd say a discussion a bit of a tiff happening on the sidelines and all of a sudden Mike Evans came out of nowhere and cleaned Lattimore out of it uh, somehow no one was ejected from the game for this including and if you want to have a good laugh go onto YouTube and look uh, up Mike Evans' response when he sees that he is not being ejected from the game he is confused but he is very accepting of his fate um, this was stupid wasn't it Ronan? Sorry there's definitely a sense that you know frustrations are boiling over in Tampa Bay obviously they've just deactivated you know Javis Winston for a few weeks this is a team that really seems to be falling off a cliff and Mike Evans you know 
I think we saw during Hard Knocks and we've seen during the season that he can be quite an emotional guy. But I think in this case, you kind of get that situation where, you know, you're, you, football players are told so often, you know, your quarterback is the most important player in the team. That was emphasised during Hard Knocks as well. And so even though Lattimore basically did nothing to Winston, basically just tapped him really, uh, Mike Evans is like, you touch my quarterback, I'm going to effectively sack you from behind. I'm going and to assault you. Basically assault him from behind. And basically do an incredibly stupid thing in a situation where it wasn't warranted. But like, it's hard to imagine this would have happened if they were winning right now. It just definitely feels that Tampa Bay is an organization where no one's really in control, and the entire season feels like it's falling away. So for me personally, like Mike Evans, he, need, he needs to calm his head down. He's got a one-game suspension, which he is appealing. But I assume that that will almost certainly be held out. I think the reason that you know, in the previous situation with AJ Green and Ramsey, they got ejected therefore they got a punishment because Mike Evans effectively got away with it in game he will get that carry over to the next game and I think yeah. for Evans he has to take a hard look at himself and he needs to start performing because not only did he get involved in this stupid scuffle he also had a really poor game overall as well so I think for Mike Evans he needs to take a hard look at himself get him back to being the player that we know he can be otherwise you can expect that Tampa Bay is going to have a really tough time going forward for the rest of this season yeah, of course. We also then had a huge scuffle in the Arizona-San Francisco game. You might notice a bit of a recurring theme that these things seem to be happening with really shitty teams. Uh, <laughs> Arizona-San Francisco game after a hit on uh, CJ Bethard or Beathard and suddenly a slew of flags were released. So there was three players ejected from this uh, two Arizona players so we had Frosty Rucker and Hassan Reddick and then we also had running back Carlos Hyde uh, there's been no word on suspensions coming out of this yet uh, at the moment it seems that there more likely be uh, financial implications rather than game restrictions there's also an interesting element of uh, the ownership in San Francisco would then seem to be congratulating and very happy with the actions of Carlos Hyde following this scuffle uh, this was a weird one that just kind of escalated out of almost nowhere yeah, well, I was sort of, you know, you always see those with a late hit on the quarterback when they're sliding. And it was just, it just, I think, said tension's ball there, but these are two shitty teams yeah. playing shitty football. And, like, saw the flags flying and the hats flying when they ran out of flags. Yeah. Although, did you see. Underpants Car- after the hats. <laughs> did you see Carlos Hyde trying to fight Frosty Rucker? No. It was like a kid trying to fight his dad. Like, Frosty <laughs> Rucker's, like, two feet taller than Carlos Hyde. <laughs> and Hyde went up to him and started, like, was. Hyde basically got into the pile around the quarterback, and then mm-hmm. Rucker pulled him out. And squared up to him, and Hyde sort of pushed him, and Frosty Rocker just basically picked him up and fucking chucked him about five feet across the ground, and then Hyde popped right back up, and like, fairly charged in, swinging punches. And you're like, that is amazing. Oh god, absolute comedy show. Like compared to the other fights, which are actually quite serious, this was just yeah. fucking ridiculous. This could be given the quality of the two teams, just have been a design kind of interlude to try and make sure that the after entertainment, yeah, like the that the the fourteen people that were left watching that game were kept mildly entertained. It was, it was an extremely empty league, I say. Oh god, it was. A uh, couple of other bits from around the league. Uh, Jeremy Curley, wide receiver for the New York Jets, has been suspended for four games for a PED violation. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, quarterback for the New York Giants, has been suspended for one game after breaking a team rule. I believe he missed a practice or something along these lines this is uh, McAdoo showing that he doesn't take no nonsense and he definitely shouldn't be fired like, which we will be discussing like, I, mean, I mean they're just randomly suspending all of their quarterbacks and yeah. wondering why they're yeah. terrible <laughs> like, I think maybe he's just terrified they're going to demote him to being like DB's coach so he's just making sure that that on job is not an option uh, and then actually there was, there's one uh, other team rule violation that uh, I think she mentioned was the uh, Leonard Fournette 
wasn't played last week, even though apparently he was healthy due to missing a team photograph. Well, no, to be fair, to be fair, he missed a team for a meeting. He missed stuff, basically. He missed. He missed. He missed a team photograph, but he also missed treatment given that he was coming out of a concussion protocol and he missed a training. So I can understand it for the secondary, but the problem was it was reported as he missed he, he missed a team photo. Uh, <laughs> that, that's not going to fly anymore. Because Tom Coughlin is an octogenarian fuckhead. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wouldn't expect him to miss, the, to miss a team photo. He is the sloped brow of... <laughs> uh, what? It's a... Uh, no, I mean, I understand that. I just... The context, never mind. Doesn't matter if it's. Dallas, uh, Ziggy Elliott has given a stay for his appeal, got to play against the Chiefs. However, it's unexpected that he will get to hold on to this. Uh, there's another hearing happening on Thursday, and it is widely expected that he will finally start serving this fucking thing. Um, so he basically just cut the section from last week, pasted it in, and replaced Washington with Kansas City. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and we might have to do it again next week. Who knows? Uh, this is just fucking stupid. You know, if it dragged on that long, uh, Elliot's people, I don't know if you saw this, have said, oh, um, the statement from the league says regular season games, so you can't suspend them for the playoffs. Oh. So if it, if it drags on past two more, two more, three more weeks, three weeks then we'll have another subsequent... Oh, challenge you about yes. Jesus Christ! Can't wait. Fair enough. Uh, oh. I miss the days when the commissioner could just arbitrarily make up rules and they'd just be enforced. <laughs> mm. I blame Tom Brady, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, move on to controversy corners. A few bits and pieces we're knocking around the league. So anthem protests, as we all say, continue. Uh, there have been reports that indicate CBS have been told by advertisers that uh, while they won't. Pull, pull out their advertising just yet. They want them to cut away from the protesters and from looking at them during the anthem uh, or else they will face withdrawal. So we'll see cash impact on any kind of publicisation of these protests, which obviously is bullshit. Uh, I'd imagine, even though we're only hearing this about CBS, this is something that is ongoing with other stations as well. I would assume so. And if anyone ever tells you that there is no intersection between racism and capitalism... Go and fucking point them this to them. This is just disgraceful. It is not like advertising pressure. To ju- like it's just sick, is what it is. It's just pathetic. Like, oh, uh, mm, what's going to make it up in the end? Ah, it's going to be the fucking advertising money that ends up dictating how we deal with social problems. Like that is just so typical of so many things that are fucking wrong with America. And it's ironic, isn't it? Mm. It's unfortunate, but yeah, we'll see. Like we haven't. Should we read in this section from controversy corner to? Fuck America corner. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually kneeling right now while recording. Uh, <laughs> Fitz, you have a story tonight in here as well about uh, Papa John. Do you want to tell them about this? Uh, it's nothing big. Basically, uh, Papa John's, aka John Schnatter, that idiot on the, the television ads, made some comments which basically derided the anthem protests and managed to lose about 40 million of personal net worth through <laughs> everyone turning against the Papa John, turning against them and saying, hey, shut up, you fuckwit. Uh, <laughs> some other companies, some other pizza companies come out and said, yeah, fuck that guy, basically. Uh, so fuck you, Papa John's. Like, does, uh, so basically, his issue was he was de- denigrating the protest and he was also saying he was going, he was reconsidering their sponsorship of the NFL because of the protests as well. Uh, but, you know... Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, see, there's a second level to this um, that, that I think fits forgotten. There are two glorious things happened. One of them was the loss of net worth stuff because Papa John's ended up being uh, declared the official pizza of the alt-right by the alt-right. Oh, God. Which was obviously very bad for um, everything and made him look like an idiot. And then they had to put out a thing saying, if you are a Nazi, please don't eat our pizza. 
um, which was just surreal. Could you imagine being the intern, and it's going to be an intern who had to write that press release? Absolutely, but then it got better, because you think about it, then there's a bunch of neo-Nazis sitting around having to eat Papa John's, which is shit pizza, to prove a point. (laughs) Like, everyone, it's amazing, because everyone loses, but everyone's an asshole, so it's fine if they lose. You've got a bunch of Nazis eating, like, greasy cardboard, being like, oh, owning your lives by eating terrible pizza. Mm. And then Papa John's getting declared the official pizza of Nazis. Jesus Christ, it's just a mess. There's probably a metaphor in there, but yeah, uh, mm. fuck Jaffa Papa John's probably where I end it. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> so. Uh, trades, extensions, etc. Houston have decided they probably need some help and have signed Matt McGloin and TJ Yates because, of course, they have. It's not like there's any other quarterbacks out there they should be considering. Um, just other bits of news that we had. Uh, yeah, there's a fun... Kansas City had a fun celebration in the release of the celebration rules. So they had a sack race across the across the uh, the end zone, which is good fun. Following on from quite the what was initially a very strange call, but made more and more sense the more I heard about it. It was uh, it was a hail mary, or as it has now been referred to online as a hill mary, <laughs> where uh, Alex Smith checks down on a hail mary, and the Chiefs run a flying V straight into the end zone. Uh, this was gas to watch, and the celebration was good crack afterwards as well. It's a pity it wasn't a bit more of a result at the end of the game for my guys. Um, we also had uh, now Fitz. I'll, or actually, I'll, I'll, I'll let you explain this one, Harry, as it's your team who it was in relation to. Uh, GM John Lynch is apparently a tactical mastermind, and it was playing the long con that got him Jimmy Garoppolo after attempting to trade away Tom Brady from the New England Patriots. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I actually didn't hear about this until until we got here, and, and Ronan Ronan told me the story. When I first saw it written down, you mentioned, it, and I was like, oh, I guess they went in being like. Oh, well, we're getting to negotiate down to Jimmy Garoppolo by asking for Tom Brady. And I was like, ah, that's not going to happen. And then um, that's basically essentially what happened when they first heard that Garoppolo wasn't going to be available. Then we're like, oh, okay, we'll trade you for Tom Brady. To which the response in New England appears to have been utter confusion. And not really like <laughs> chaotic like, confusion sense, but just in the sense of what? Yeah. Like Billy Jack literally said, what did you just ask me? And then repeated the question again. When he tried to clarify what John Lynch was trying to do, <laughs> like, I love that. Like John Lynch is trying to play his like five dimensional chess or whatever, and Belichick's just like, no, no, <laughs> no we're not doing. It. Feels like if I trade a, if I trade this guy to the 49ers, he will never do me any harm. So I suppose that's good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Sashi Brown has been. Uh, Apparently attached to the sabotaging of the AJ McCarron trade, uh, this is comes from an interesting spot where there are questions over, as we mentioned last week, was Sashi doing his job? Was he there on time? Was he actually doing the due diligence on potential players that are available? But also, he's come out on more of a media offensive in the last week, saying they have massive plans for this off season, and this off season is whenever their plan really kicks into gear. And now he's being attached to the harpooning of this trade. Uh, Ronan, is this just? kind of defence for them fucking up or is this a legitimate he has a vision we just can't see it yet The he is actually like the GM from drafting like there's definitely a sense that if, if he doesn't consider he fucked up most of the people in the building consider he fucked up and now he's kind of it's it, like you know with being the brands it's kind of organisation where you can imagine all these kind of stupid power struggles are occurring people trying to fight to be on top of the big piling you know big pile of shit basically uh but in this case it sounds like he's like it definitely sounds like you know it's not implausible this could have happened and that's worrying enough and the fact that he's having to come out and say no i definitely did not sabotage the trade 
which all the paperwork was ready for, but mysterious didn't work. Uh, that just didn't happen. That's all. He, that's all his literal excuses. It didn't happen, and that's it. And it kind of just gives a sense, like you know, this GM or like this Fordovas not only is terrible at doing things, but is also terrible at communicating what it's actually doing. And as a Browns fan or anyone just observing this from the outside, it's just hard not to feel that this is just another, on top of all the news we had last week around that trade, another step towards this team sliding further and further into despair. Uh, so for me personally, uh, you know, these rumours, even if they're not true, the fact that they're plausible is sufficiently damning enough to, to give you pause over whatever is happening over there in the front office. And certainly gives you an idea that if these rumours have been spread, there are people within the building probably deliberately spreading them to create this kind of uh, kind of disarray within yeah. the organisation. It, it, it has that feel of whether it's true or not, there's definitely a kind of power struggle for who's going to be in control going into next season between front office staff, the coaching staff, all that kind of stuff. It just seems like it's a lot of disarray, which is not what the Browns want to have at this point. I suppose with that, we'll swing on to have a quick look at some of the games from last week. First up in the Ring of Honor, and it was a tough week to pick a Ring of Honor game. Atlanta at Carolina, 70-20. Carolina Panthers moved to 6-3. Uh, half game behind the Saints with uh, this 20-17 win over the defending NFC champions. But it wasn't without struggle. Uh, Stewart fumbled the ball twice, but the running game came good. 86 yards and a touchdown from Cam Newton. 66 yards and a touchdown from McCaffrey. And the strong defensive showing allowed them to hold off a late push from the Falcons. Uh, showing kind of two stacks. Uh, 8 QB hits and an interception that's a pretty solid performance Matt Ryan went 24-38 for 313 yards 2 touchdowns and an interception their ground game never got going they had 18 attempts 53 yards 2.9 yards an attempt Julio Jones had a day 118 yards but at least one touchdown dropped on the ground and potentially a second one depending on how good you think he really should be playing at the moment in what was overall quite a lacklustre showing so Ronan Julio was targeted 12 times, so that's a move in the right direction. They're clearly listening to our advice here on the podcast. But they had no running game. Their defense was mediocre, with the exception of Keanu O'Neill, who had a good game. Like, they're two games back in the division. What's the trajectory of this team? I think they're too good to end up not, like, ending up somewhere in the hunt uh, at the end of the season to be getting to the playoffs. But it kind of feels that with the Panthers and the New Orleans Saints both chugging along quite well. It will be very difficult for them to be doing anything except for competing for one of the last wildcard spots, which is very competitive in the NFC, as opposed to the AFC, where it's you know kind of dirge at the moment. I think for the Falcons, this game just feels like the continuation of a whole load of just that small bit of inconsistency with the team. It kind of feels like the Atlanta Falcons are like a poor imitation of the version they wore last year. You see glimpses of the same type of talent, the same type of playmaking, and Matt Ryan had one of his better games here, but then you see something like that Julio Jones drop in the end zone, and you're like, that wouldn't have happened last year. There's something going wrong here. And obviously last last week I pointed the finger at Steve Sarkeesian. I still think that's true. I still think his play calling is poor, and this week the running game really didn't get going. But for me personally, it just feels like an organisation which with all that happened obviously last year with the Super Bowl, with all the struggles that they've gone through in this mid-season, is looking for someone to pick this team up. And it just feels like the natural leadership in the building isn't getting that done. Whether it's Steve Sarkeesian, whether it's Matt Ryan, uh, whether it's the coaching in general, there just seems to be a sense that the type of people who can drag a team up and make them better aren't there. So for me personally, I think the Falcons, they have the talent, they should win games, although their schedule is by no means easy. 
I think they just don't feel like they have the same trajectory they did last year. So for me, they're kind of heading towards maybe getting a wild card. Maybe they can win a wild card game, but I just don't see them as realistic, uh, like you know, NFC or Super Bowl contenders at this point. Um, yeah. They have the talent to turn around, but it just doesn't feel right right now. Like it's very hard to analyze, but it just doesn't feel right right now, and that's really bad for a team which kind of has uh, Matt Ryan has a quarterback that when he isn't good, it can it can get quite bad with him. Uh, so we'll have to see how it develops, but it just feels off right now. Yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to say anything beyond that. It's just yeah. Mm. No, of course. Uh, Harry, Funches did well here, 5 of 7 for 86 yards. Uh, like Cam rushed well. McCafferty's production took an uptick. I think it was his first rushing touchdown. Um, and it made them look for us friskier, but like there wasn't the spark of the aggression that we kind of come to expect from good, successful Panthers teams that we've seen in the past. Like, it was a big win, but only 135 yards passing. Can they, and I feel like we're asking this about a couple of teams these days, is this a formula they can go a bit of distance with? Or is this just a just an aberration? Now, I mean, look, we've seen the Panthers really struggle to move the ball consistently this season. And honestly, um, I don't know if I agree with Brian's assessment of them chugging along quite nicely. I think they've been fortunate. And again, in this case, to come up against an even more dysfunctional team in Atlanta who were one, as, as Red mentioned, one bizarre drop from Julio Jones away from winning this game. Um, Carolina, as much as we saw like the Falcons' defense struggle, Carolina's offense was... Weird, like they couldn't really pass the ball. I think Cam Newton only connected with three receivers, one of whom was a running back. Mm-hmm. John Stewart couldn't stop fumbling. Um, yeah, McCaffrey looked okay. Cam Newton did a thing on the ground, but we know that what happens. Like, hey, the Panthers do better when Cam Newton runs around a lot. Yeah, it's also when Cam Newton gets crippled. So I don't think what we've seen here is an aberration, but I don't think it's a winning formula. I think this is a team that has some strengths, but also severe flaws coming up against the team who is equally flawed, who just, and they just were able to gut it out at home against them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I struggle to see anything that's changed in this Carolina team simply because they've won this game. I think this is the same team that doesn't have as much talent as it used to, that is still trying to play the same way, that with a coach who was coasting by on the reputation of how aggressive he was, and it's interesting you mentioned the word aggression, how aggressive he was you know, in that Super Bowl year, but since then has become incredibly conservative. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny when we were watching this, it was like, on the commentary, they're like, oh, you know, they call him Riverboat Ron. And then they're like, oh, he's not going for a fourth down. He's punting. And it's like, well, when was the last fucking time? But, like, yeah. this team doesn't... It feels like it was, like, a season and a half ago. It does, this team doesn't isn't that same team. And with the loss of uh, Benjamin, you do wonder if it's like, is that is, is that a wise move to make? Yeah, okay, he wasn't as good as he thought he was going to be. But he's still he's still very he's still a top receiver on that team. Yeah. And now you're saying, can Devis Funch still the role? Like, maybe. Can he do it against a better defense? I don't know. Can Curtis Sanders step up? I don't know. Like he got three catches, thirty-five yards. That's fine, I guess. Um, I'm just not sure that we saw anything that changes the trajectory of this Panthers team. They're fine. They're tough. They'll play teams hard. They'll play teams close. They will win some of those close games. But and they, they could they could make the playoffs. Uh, very much the wild card. Uh, they could even win the division if the Saints trip up. But is this a team that's going to make a deep playoff run playing like this? Absolutely not. And yeah. what's the solution? I don't really know because all they seem to do is uh, swing past Christian McCaffrey and hope for the best. That's it. Uh, 
Yeah, it was. We, we, we said the last time we were previewing this could be a definitional game for either of them. I think it's obviously a massive plus to the Carolina that they came out with the win, but I don't think we know much more about either of these teams than we did going into it, to be honest. Uh, next up's in neutral zone uh, Oakland at Miami, 27 to 24. Uh, Jay Cutler's first 300 yard, three touchdown, and zero interception game, and they still lose. Uh, the now 4 and 5 Raiders, led by Derek Carr, went 21 for 30, uh, 300 yards, a touchdown, interception, and a just returned from suspension, Lynch, who had 54 yards. And two touchdowns, and actually one one particularly, I have I had to give him a bit of props. Is Jared Cook, one hundred and twenty six yards, caught eight of nine passes his way. That's nice. Uh, they held on against fumbles and onside kicks uh, in a messy game to 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 to, to win out. Uh, there was two hundred and twelve yards of penalties, quite evenly split between the two teams in this, which is uh, which is not good. As mentioned, Cutler had one of his best games. Thomas Williams and Landry all call, uh, all pulling in touchdowns from him. Kenyon Drake filled in for the trade of Jay Ajayi, nine carries for sixty nine yards. Although those do seem to be buffered by one particularly long run. Um, but they just couldn't get it done. Now four and four, uh, two games back in the division. So, Harry, this is undisciplined and scrappy, but they get the win. Four and a five, two games behind the Chiefs, or two wins behind the Chiefs. Did this performance make you think Oakland could be playoff bound, could start to push, or do you think it was just coming up against a pretty bleh Miami team? Like, what areas stood out to you in the in you know, this I think game? Giving up 311 yards and three touchdowns to Jay Cutler is probably not a good sign, even if you win. Yeah. And is a sign that that Oakland defense is still not there on the back end. Mm. It's still very, very soft and is still giving up plays it shouldn't give up. Um, there was, before you get started, the, the, the Miko Grimes. <laughs> so Brent Grimes' oh, wife, a great story, uh, and, yeah. and notorious crazy person, is now having realised that nobody's paid attention to her for a year. Uh, I think the last time she went and tried to make people pay attention to her, Brent Grimes got traded. So, uh, well, no, because she <laughs> she got a mild bit of fame on because she was all over the hard knocks this year. Oh, right, there you go. She got something. She must have got bored because the, the last time I believe she was allowed out before that. She tweeted a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff, and Brent Grimes got cut yeah. or traded, something like that. And she um, started a, she started a Twitter war with the I think two members of the Around the League podcast. Yeah. She's a nutcase. Anyway, point is, <laughs> she's 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 got an interesting history. Uh, has come out and said that um, because Derek Carr is white, uh, the uh, O line, which is I think believe predominantly or entirely black, and it's opened, the only all black line is, I yeah, think in the uh, letting him get hit. Because of um, yeah, so Miko Grimes is trying to start a race war in the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Uh, is it plausible? Uh, well, I don't know. The O-line hasn't been playing well, so I haven't got a better theory than that it, right it now. It has been the. Uh, it has been well, not based around race. It has been a recurring storyline in almost every film slash TV show based around American football. That like they fall out with the O-line. The O-line let them get hit a few times until they grit it out, and then suddenly they respect them. Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr played most of last season with broken fingers, so I think it's pretty. But yeah, um, yeah no, anyway, anyway uh, the point is, is that Oakland still don't look great. They look obviously a lot better since Carr came back, but like the fact they're relying on Jared Goff as that target, that isn't how this team is built to play. This isn't how this team is meant to play. There's something off right now mm-hmm. um, on both sides of the ball, and the talent isn't isn't performing in the way it should, in the way it did over the last two seasons. And uh, like, I, I just wonder if. Like, it's certainly, look, they're certainly live for a wild card, right? I mean, everyone, fucking everyone in the FC is live for a wild card at this point. Yeah. But this team is nowhere near where I thought it was going to be. Um, and I think cruised a little bit from last season, being like, we can just keep doing the same thing. And I don't think they've really brought anything new to the table. I don't think they've been able to surprise teams. I don't think they've been able to set things up. And we've seen it 
that this is just not a um, this is not a team that's able to mix up its game plan effectively enough mm-hmm. to open up the space it needs to play the football it wants to. It could do it last season, this season, for whatever reason, through lack of imagination in the play calling and through diminishment of talent in the in the run game, because while Lynch is, is Marshall Lynch, there's still things he can't do right now yeah. in the current form he's in. And I'm just like, look, uh, until they can sort that out, until they can actually find a way to utilize what they have properly and compensate for the problems they have, particularly in the defensive backfield and the pass protection, mm-hmm. This team might get a wild card spot, but it sure as hell isn't going anywhere. No, of course. Uh, Ronan, like this Miami team certainly looked better with Jay Cutler playing the way he did, although you know it's a fairly weak o- Oakland defense he's playing against, so that's going to make a lot of people look good. Is this a team that is... It's 4-4, four and four, two games back in their division, but like we said, this is a very open AFC in terms of where the wild cards will be like. Is this a team that's legitimately hunting for a wild card spot, or is this just kind of dead cat bounce? We'll see them finish up the, the, the season with about six wins, which realistically feels roughly where they should be talent-wise? Yeah, I think... They're still competing for a wild card. I don't think there's any sense that Alan Gates has given up on the season. In actuality, I think when he traded away GHI, that was a statement of intent that he's going to play the offense his way. Unfortunately, the Alan Gates system kind of feels like a kind of knockoff West Coast offense. A lot of short throws, a lot of running to the outside, not much excitement. And like when you have Jay Cutler, who obviously kind of made his career on being a bit of a you know a gunslinger type quarterback. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to put Jay Gutler in there. And he has done it under Adam Gates previously. And he did have his best season with Adam Gates by reining in his worst tendencies. But if what you're going to see for the rest of the season with the Dolphins is, you know, sub 10 yard passes again and again and again with the occasional, like, outside run mixed in with Kenyon Drake or Damian Williams, then that's fine. That can be effective. And if done efficiently, as it was done this game, it can keep you competitive against like decent teams. Mm-hmm. But it's not the kind of offensive output that's likely to inspire much enthusiasm from fans or from the general NFL audience. So you know, for the Miami Dolphins, they're kind of they feel right now that four and four is about right. That eight and eight is definitely where they could be if Adam Gase can has reasserted his authority on how the team is. But like, it feels exactly like the team last year, except slightly less talented. It feels like he's playing, it could be Ryan Tannehill in there, it could be Matt Moore, it could be Jay Cutler, it wouldn't make that much difference. So overall, it has the feel of a team that, yeah, if things bounce their way, maybe they get 10-6, and six, maybe they get a, a wildcard spot, and then they get knocked out and hammered like they did last season, but more likely they finish like somewhere between like six and nine wins, uh, and it's another progress fit. But it kind of feels like one of those teams where you know they're kind of stuck where they are, they don't really, they're not really moving forward or building towards a better future, and you know, while that's fine, I think it's the kind of thing which will come back to bite uh, the organization and the, and the coaching staff eventually. But for now, it, it worked in this game. I'm sure they'll stick with it. I'm sure it'll kind of work going forward and it'll get them enough wins to seem reasonable and let them keep their jobs overall. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I think, you know, it doesn't matter what they do. It's just kind of dull and not interesting. <laughs> so poor, poor Miami Dolphins fans. There's a lot of them around the UK and Ireland. <laughs> it's just like... It really doesn't matter what they do. It's just going to be sad and boring. And uh, yeah, that is your franchise. Uh, it's not tragic, I suppose. That's something. It's yeah, that's, 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 that's true. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got the Dumpster Fire LA Rams, the New York Jets, 51-17. to Jared Goff had a career day, 311 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Todd Gurley put in two more and had over 100 yards from scrimmage in a comprehensive dismantling of the New York Giants. They beat them in all three phases. There was three defensive turnovers. There was a blocked punt that turned into a touchdown on special teams. And they scored on eight of their nine opening possessions. 
This was incredible. Eli Manning passed the 50,000-yard passing marker in this game uh, with a kind of lackluster 20 of 36, 220 yards, two touchdowns and interception. The run game was actually all right, 111 yards, 4.3 average per carry, but they were playing from behind. It just didn't matter. They couldn't use it that much. Uh, Evan Ingram, we were discussing this at the time, Harry. Evan Ingram looked good at 70 yards and touchdown. But he only caught 40% of the balls from them. He only caught 4 out of 10 passes that went his way. Like, it was just not good. Uh, Ronan, I'm going to come to you first on this one. I know you're quite biased here, and this was against (laughs) a very poor Giants team. But, like, I've been saying for a few weeks, this Rams team looks dangerous, and they look like they could be a real contender. Like, you've got to be looking at them with them in your division and thinking, like... You beat them with only a score, and the score was a dropped Cooper Cup pass in the end zone. Like, are you starting to look at these guys as legit contenders? No, like they are legitimate contenders, both in the NFC West and in the NFC, especially you know as I keep emphasizing, Noah and Rogers kind of has opened things up so much there. Yeah. Uh, but the one worry you would have for the Rams overall is that you know the two losses that they have against the Seahawks and against uh, the the Mizungus, were both teams that can put up a decent defense. Like their one, their only other real statement win was against uh, the Jaguars, mm-hmm. uh, and that was really that was like that was an even week, so it doesn't really count uh, as I'll discuss later. But uh, yeah, overall, like the Rams, they look really good in this game, and when they've won, they have won comprehensively again and again this season. When they get their rhythm going. Jared Goff looks like the number one pick that he was selected at. He looks like a franchise quarterback, and he looks unstoppable. And moreover, the defense seems to be developing into shape and building that kind of dominance that we were expecting to have uh, you know, at the season start. It's starting to become that dominant union which can overwhelm teams and be probably up there with the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the best uh, defenses in the league. But you know, for me personally, obviously as a skeptic, uh, almost by necessity, uh, I'm still kind of like you know you've done it against the Giants, you did it against the Cardinals, you've given them a good hammering, well done you. But you know when you look through the back end of their stretch, that will be really what will show if this team is a legitimate contender in the NFC mm-hmm. uh, uh, beyond like you know that they're not just a flat track bully. When they play the Vikings, when they play the Saints, when they play the Eagles, when they play the Seahawks again, uh, I think there's a lot of questions to be answered here, especially from Jared Goff. But with all the talent that they have on defense. And with Todd Gurley doing so well, they may be good enough to overcome, even if Jared Goff isn't the player that he may or may not be based on what we've seen. Yeah. But I think with the, the question marks over if Jared Goff is as good as he looks in certain games like this is the big question mark of whether this team is you know uh, a, is a playoff contender or is a genuine contender to go all the way this early in their, in their redevelopment path with Sean McVay. Either way, you should be excited as an LA Rams fan uh, for this season and ahead. Uh, but it's just that question over what their ceiling is this season uh, comes down to that Jared Goff question for me personally. Yeah, like I've already got that 17th of December game at the Seahawks uh, circle. I think that's going to be a great one. Yeah. I think it's probably going to decide the division. Harry, dark days for the Giants. <laughs> uh, could help with a rebuild though, get them a slightly higher pick. Like, Do you think this coaching staff, this front office lasts the whole season or are they going to have to move especially given like how big a media market New York is and stuff we know that McAdoo is not getting on with a lot of staff members where with uh, players we also know like he is being kind of butchered by the media I don't know if you saw him both uh, when asked what did he say to yeah. the players during the halftime he said uh, mm-hmm. and then silence and then after the game when asked what did he think of the 52 yard touchdown against him he said which one it it's not going well for him. Does he survive this season? Uh, 
if there's any like sense in the ownership no like I mean this is just a shit show and like we joked about earlier the arbitrary suspension of cornerbacks but like this team is just awful and it's not just the players because they have some talented players I mean obviously the O-line being a piece of trash doesn't help I mean everyone's like oh Seahawks defense are coming together I'm like my gran would put up a better better resistance than fucking Eric Flowers would okay like I mean the team is just fundamentally not this bad they're not Cleveland they're not San Francisco they have very talented units and they should not have lost this many games and yet here they are and you have to at that point point your finger to the coach and yes injuries are an issue yes they have problems like that but it doesn't matter because before Odell Beckham Jr. went down they also fucking sucked like it's not like it's beyond their control they have at no point this season looked like a good team yeah so yeah, Ben McAdoo has to go because, honestly, he's been given enough time at this point. The team is consistently regressing. Week on week looks worse. Like, there's getting... Like, this was a hammering. Like, the Rams were fucking throwing hook and ladders like they were styling on them. Yeah. And they couldn't do anything. And, like, that's... It, it was just lame. And you want to talk about, like, oh, yeah, the Bucks are t- giving up on the season. This is a team that looks like it has no belief in itself. And at the end of the day, when a team is playing like that, you have to look, first and foremost, at the coaching staff, at the leadership, and say, Mm -hmm. hey, it's one thing being a bad team. There's no fight in this Giants team at the moment. This was a surrender. This was a team just rolling over and exposing its belly in an act of submission in the hope that the bigger dog wouldn't kill it. And that's just like... That's not... Nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to see this, as you say. So unless they can get it sorted out, unless McAdoo can turn this around really, really quickly, he has to be gone. Yeah. Because the team, yes, is not the best team in the league, but it should not be this bad. There's no reason this team shouldn't have at least like five or six wins. That's not that much to ask. No, it's really not, given but, the level of talent they had. And yeah. it's they had four or five weeks before their, their wide receivers went, like so. Exactly. Like it's it's just it's just bad. No. It's hard to see how it gets better. And at the end of the day, yes, the finger has to be pointed at Ben McAdoo because he is completely well okay, he was brought in to change the culture, he succeeded in doing that. I'm not sure he's improved the culture. Yes, that's true. It has changed somewhat. They are definitely winning less. <laughs> um and on that lovely high note, we're going to move on to having a look at some of our slightly less premature congratulations. So we're going to fly through some of these. Just uh, We said we were going to halfway through. We'll see how our predictions are going. A lot of our predictions are dead to the world because a lot of people uh, are dead to the world in terms of end of season injuries and things like that so a lot of this is going to go we'll fly through some of these and see how we're sitting uh, on our ones you might remember this I think this was the pre-week one show um, that we that we put together right. so rookie of the year I have Kareem Hunt uh, that's looking good and I'm sticking with that Fitz you had Dalvin Cook who's unfortunately dead to the world so you've replaced him with Alvin Kamara the uh, New Orleans Saints running back sensation yeah. he's looking very good and Harry you had Dante Foreman um, yeah yeah, so yeah, so that's that's slightly impacted by a different player who's dead to the world. So, yeah, well, I mean, Don Foreman also basically got benched for kneeling during the anthem, so things are going weird. But I'm yeah. picking um, Marshall Lattimore uh, now as my pick from out here, the young cornerback in the Orleans Saints. I think he's been um, absolutely critical to the improvement mm. we've seen on that team. Well, this is the thing. Like, uh, but we'll hop over to defensive rookie of the year. We now have all swapped to Marshawn Lattimore <laughs> yeah. across the board. Uh, I had Tack McKinley, Fitz had Miles Garrett, and you had Miles Garrett. But we've all we're all swapping to Marshawn Lattimore at this point. He's looking excellent. Uh, MVP. I had Aaron Rodgers, who is now dead to the world. So I'm rolling with Wentz. And the two of you guys had Tom Brady, and you're sticking with Tom Brady, yeah? Uh, yeah. Never come yeah. to Tom, Tom Brady. Never, never. <laughs> 
Never go against Tom Brady. That, that's what I've learned. No. Unless you're the commissioner, you eventually win. Yeah. After we had two a, seasons. I <laughs> uh, comeback player of the year is obviously uh, myself and Fitz are both dead to the world. JJ Watt is gone. Uh, Keenan Allen is still alive, but not looking like he's doing much at the moment. No. I uh, think, yeah, we've got Earl Thomas, Todd Gurley, a couple of people like that in there, which would be good. Um, let's see. We had a, a particularly awkward one was our top long snapper of the year. So I went with Tanner Purdom, based entirely on his name. He's been cut and uh, no longer with the team. Uh, Fitz, you went with this John Derenboss, who... Yeah, he, got, he got traded, and then in his medical... Uh, I think we discussed this in the pod a few weeks ago, yeah. but yeah. He got traded. They found out that he had, like, a... a like a heart, uh, what, what, what heart issue, Harry? A, a, aortic aneurysm. Yeah, so he had to have open heart surgery. He is no longer playing, unsurprisingly. Uh, so that pick was particularly problematic, and I didn't give Rip in that case because that would be a bit on the nose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, He's fine so that's why where's uh, LP? He's alive to the world, but not the NFL world. But uh, LP Latacour is still on the go, so uh, I think Harry is by default winning this <laughs> to the section. Uh, LP Latacour has been traded, has he, or is he still? No, I don't think so. Oh, fair enough. I think Harry pointed out that he managed a long snap to a non-kicker, and the kick was successful. So three out of four. Excellent. Very good. Um, but yeah, we had a few of the ones that we were kind of like, ah, hype train crash. Uh, we're all kind of sitting in the middle of this. So I had Christian McCaffrey, who is doing all right, but really is not doing what you should be expecting for an eighth overall pick. Uh, Harry kind of covered all his bases and said, pick a rookie quarterback, any rookie quarterback. Uh, some of them have looked pretty fucking good, but um, I suppose fi- fi- focus in on Mitch Titties and you might be all right. And uh, Leonard Fournette, I think, or like Fitz, you're changing to Steve Sarkeesian. I don't see my yeah. only problem is I don't think that there was hyper in Sarkeesian. I think that was more. Uh, there was a lot of saying like, "Oh, the Atlanta offense is so good, it'll be fine," and then. But, yeah, if, it, but, but, but if the hype around you is just, hey, probably not going to be able to fuck it up too badly. That doesn't sound like hype to me. That sounds more like it'll do. That sounds well, like, sounds like it's Pro Bowl to me. It's not quite Pro Bowl hype. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we've got a few other ones now, so um, I suppose we'll fly down to the ones that will actually be empirically proved. Oh no, we've got one more, actually. We've got a breakout player of the year, I suppose. So I had Tyreek Hill. Ah, he's looking good for what I was looking for, kind of the transition to a, to a WR1. He's shown that. I think he's currently averaging 49.6 yards per touchdown. Like, every touchdown reception, he's grappling on average about half the field. Um, we had CJ Size for Fitz. Uh, that's not worked out so well. So you're swapping to Carson Wentz. Solid bet. Solid bet. And uh, Harry, you had Trey Flowers, and you're swapping that to Chris Thompson. Party times, Chris Thompson. Uh, So we'll have a look at our kind of expectations of so our AFC Championship games that we had. Well, we all have New England across the board winning. You skipped the penalty awards. Oh, sorry, the penalty awards. (laughs) I've missed these. Sorry, my bad. We actually have stats for this. Yeah. So the Brandon Browner. Memorial Most Flags Award. Uh, I had a keep to leave who has only given up one for five. I'm definitely sure he's done more than that. No, no. according to NFLPenalties.com, I, 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 you know, I didn't have time to look it up anymore. I'm just, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty certain that he got more than five yards of penalties against us in that one game. Uh, although, ah, who knows? Uh, Vontae Burfitt for Fitz, who was on four penalties for 26 yards. And Harry had Mike Mitchell, who's won for 12 yards, although it was trying to uh, assassinate <laughs> Alex Smith. So, <laughs> should count so for that, more? That probably counts double. Uh, <laughs> but the current leader is uh, 
Seattle right tackle Jermaine Effetti with 10 penalties. Uh, nearly all of them holding, I think it's about three or four more than the closest offensive lineman. I think he's out by like two extra penalties over any other player in the league. So well done, Jermaine. He's actually managed to get, sure. uh, managed to get two on sportsman like, likes, I think, as well, somehow. Excellent. He, he, he's like, oh, well, I didn't let him get sacked. But you gave away the kind of you know penalty which is more or less equivalent to a sack, Jermaine. I'm sorry, you really do need to stop doing that. Oh yeah. Actually, on a fun side note about the about the flags, uh, Mike Evans had more penalty yards than receiving yards. That, yeah, fifteen to thirteen, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my pick for this, by the way, my missing pick uh, is actually Philip Rivers. Believe it or not, mm. Philip Rivers has eight penalties this season. Six wow. of them are delay of game penalties. It's probably not his fault, but um, yeah. six delay of games and two intentional grounding. So are the Chargers dysfunctional? Who knows? Just about maybe. Um, yeah. And then we had, uh, I suppose, the most embarrassing moment so far. So we've got we've got some of these aren't, aren't too bad here. So I had uh, when when a team team trades for Brock Osweiler. Uh, so pretty close to this one. They didn't give anything for him, but he's now back and starting for the Broncos again, uh, just because of how depressing their quarterback situation is. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty good one. Uh, Fitz had the Bortles, Henne, and Allen. Jacksonville QB roller coaster. Did I miss on that one a bit mm-hmm. now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and then we also had then so the continued existence of the New York Jets for Harry. Uh, Jets are surprising yeah. us all. In fact, we've, we, we've given ourselves all a big fat fail on keeping the homeless warm dumpster fire of the year. We'd all just pick the Jets. Uh, no, not at all. Um, uh, hang on, I picked the Bills. <laughs> Oh, no, but you said J-E-T Bills. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had my bets and they were both wrong. Yeah, that's it. that's impressive. Um, but yeah, so that was interesting. So, so, so our AFC Championship game, we have the New England Patriots winning it. Who did we have playing them in it? I think I had Kansas City. I think I had Oakland. Okay, and Fitz? I don't remember, to be honest. I think, <laughs> I think, I think you had Kansas Browns, City as well. It was the Browns. It was the yeah, Browns. Yeah, I think I think you Kansas City as well. So uh, those are all looking pretty good, except for the Oakland one is looking a little bit more outsider at United as well. We've all got New England across the board to win it. I think I think we're all in agreement. I suppose the AFC is probably looking like it's down to three teams at the tail end of it at the mm. moment. Um, with the outside of like Jacksonville could give people problems if it happens to fall on the right numbered week. Um, <laughs> NFC it, champion. Infinity sacks actually win like. Actually, Infinity Sacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, NFC Championship, I had the Packers versus... It wasn't the Eagles. Who was it? Uh, Seahawks? Yeah, I think it was Seahawks. Uh, and I had the Packers coming out on top of that. So definitely, Packers are gone now at this point. So uh, that's fine. Uh, Fitz, you had Seattle beating... Packers, I believe. Okay, very good. And uh, Harry, you had Dallas, Dallas over Green Bay, I think. Yeah, I think so. So obviously, I'm going to be swapping my 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 NFC Championship. I'm going to guess now it's going to be Philly taking it over the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, I think we're all kind of probably in a, roughly that. As long as it doesn't happen that they meet in the in the like divisional or rounds, then I think we're probably. Expecting I'd say that. Philly over Rams. Oh shite! That's who I was forgetting. Yeah. Uh, like. I think a lot, like I think all the other kind of contenders in the NFC, they're very close, they're close together, but none of them you would really trust. I think, but it's very close to the NFC at the top. There's no team that really blows you away. You have Philly, you have the Seahawks, you have the Rams, you have Carolina, 
you have New Orleans, uh, and you have Dallas. They're all kind of in there. They all could do things, but it's very hard to call the NFC right now. To be honest. It's going to be hard mm. to call who will actually make the playoffs even in the first place. Mm. Uh, so right now, NFC probably where the action is going to be over the last eight weeks over the kind of currently kind of boring AFC, to be honest. Yeah, Philly Rams. God, yes. Ah, Going to both Philly, Rams, Seattle not making it there. I think I, I, I'm liking this Rams team at the moment a lot. Um, like I said, we'll do, we'll do some more bits and pieces over these as, as we see just how badly some of our decisions have gone. But uh, that's kind of an update on how goddamn poorly we've gone. I think the only things that are looking like they'll be right are Tom Brady potentially for MVP, Kareem Hunt for rookie, uh, New England to win the AFC. And yeah, I think that's about <laughs> it. Uh, oh, Tyreek Hill's been good. Yeah, Tyreek's been good, but like that's that's not really quantifiable. That's just like a breakout surprise kind of thing. But yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, So I suppose uh, on on that bombshell, we'll swap over to uh, to our games for next week. (laughs) So we're going to try and fly through these nice and quickly. First up, we have Seattle at Arizona. We're going Seattle across the board. Why is that, Harry? Like, have you seen the Arizona Cardinals? No, thankfully. <laughs> no, no, I don't intend to this week. It's Thursday, so we don't need to watch it again. I know. New York Jets at Tampa Bay. Uh, we've got New York Jets across the board. Uh, Fitz? Have you seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, only a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm with you on it. Just Jets are looking okay. Tampa Bay are not looking okay. And... Like, is it Brian? Oh, actually, no. There is a bit of intrigue to this. Fitzpatrick revenge game. But it's it's a two-way revenge game, isn't it? Because McCowan... Oh, McCowan! Yeah, so it's, they're both playing their ex-teams. So oh. that could be a bit of fun. Two grizzly veterans for their mercenary souls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a game that is on this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, New Orleans at Buffalo. I've got New Orleans. Fitz has got New Orleans. Harry's gone Buffalo. Why Buffalo? Yeah, I... <sighs> This is just a weird one. It's like, it feels like the kind of game Buffalo will win. Like, it just feels like they're coming off a really shitty defeat. And the Saints have been fucking riding high. Mm-hmm. I think they're just going to run into that Buffalo defense. I think they're going to have an awfully hard time getting that run game going. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like Buffalo will be really, like, first they'll match up well on that aspect. But I think... And I know this is such bullshit, but I always think there's a truth to it. This idea of just, you get complacent and then you fuck up and then you come back hard the next week. And we've seen Buffalo do that a few times this season already. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be one of those games where they are going to now, the Saints definitely could win this, but I think this is going to be just one of those games where Buffalo is going to be really, play this really tough. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just, like I've, I've been high on New Orleans for the last couple of weeks. They're now six wins straight. They've got a really balanced offense. Their defense is looking good. Like, I just, I can't see them not doing this. This is a Buffalo team who are good at times, but are not a complete team. Like, if they can drop the ball to the Jets, I definitely think New Orleans are better than the Jets. And, in fact, I think New Orleans are very good. Uh, In fact, I should have probably considered them when I was looking at the NFC Championship game a little bit. But we'll see, we'll see. Um, But yeah, I I just think they're going to come in, they can do it on the ground or in the air, they'll find a gap in that Buffalo defence and they'll get it done. Uh, Cleveland at Detroit, we're taking the close. (laughs) I think this is going to be a very similar answer to the first two. Uh, Harry, why are we taking Detroit? Have you seen Cleveland? (laughs) (laughs) I think with Cleveland, you you have to kind of watch it a little bit just because it's so tragic. Yeah. Whereas the other, while the other teams we're banning are, they're just bad and 
sad, but in a kind of like annoying way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Arizona is... Tampa Bay annoy me. Cleveland just makes me feel sad. Yeah, and that, and that at least feels like a genuine emotion. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, Cincinnati at Tennessee. We're taking Tennessee across the board. Fitz. Yeah, Cincinnati just look like they're plodding along, and they're going to finish with like I don't know somewhere between uh, five and seven wins. Uh, I think Tennessee at home have actually shown a bit of fight. I think they got their run game going a bit last week. I think it, it's probably going to be closer than Tennessee should really be, considering where, they're, where they consider themselves to be in the playoff hunt. But I think they'll have enough at home to get it done uh, with that run game with Derrick Henry uh, yeah. kind of setting it up. Uh, but like, it's not going to be a very interesting game, to be honest. No, two I'm kind not... of boring teams kind of plodding along. Tennessee just happened to be in the AFC South. Yeah, I just uh, that's, I don't think I can bring myself to watch that game uh, Green Bay at Chicago we've gone Chicago across the board uh, basically Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers are barely a football team uh, yeah like Ch- Chicago have a run game they have a decent defence they only need to pass it four times this is the question can two quarterbacks combine for negative passing yardage because there's going to be a game this season yeah this will be that game mm-hmm. Uh Next up is Harry's Game of the Week. Uh, the Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've gone for Jacksonville. Harry's gone for Jacksonville and Fitz has gone for the Chargers uh, because he has his algorithm set for Jacksonville and reckons this is not their week. Yeah, this is on week, off week thing. I think he got the, got the information he needed from last week. But uh, the only information I need here is that uh, Jacksonville's defense is good and the Chargers are coming across the country and are like not very good right now. We're they still don't gonna, travel well. They don't travel well, and we still got to, like, Melvin Gordon is still banged up, even going into the bye, so we'll see, but he's been just, had all these small injuries this season. We've seen him de-emphasizing the offense in an attempt to preserve his health. This isn't the kind of defense where you want to come in with a guy who's suffering from 84 different niggling little bits uh, to get absolutely banged up mm. by what is a very nasty defense. We know they have problems, having problems on the O-line again, and... Um, like the the decision, obviously that uh, that uh, Ramsey isn't going to be suspended mm-hmm. or further punished means he's going to be back there. It's going to be I, this is just a game that's really difficult for LA to actually move the ball in against this defense, given the problems they're having. And yeah, I never want to put anything on the Jacksonville offense, but I think this is just going to be a game where they're just going to say, right, Leonard Fournette's had a week off. We're just going to give him the ball fifty times, let him run at the Chargers. Fuck it. And just keep doing that. And to be fair, also, we are seeing a little bit of chemistry developing between Mark Easley and Blake Bortles. Yeah. And that's, I think, going to be enough. I think the Chargers are just going to really, really struggle to move the ball in this one. They're going to struggle to protect the quarterback. They're going to struggle to keep Gordon, like, from getting banged around. And I just think on that basis, you have to pick Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, Washington. We've got Minnesota across the board. Uh, Fitz? Yeah, I Minnesota, they're playing well right now. Case Keenum seems to have got comfortable in that offense, and the defense is playing at the level we expect. Washington, they got a good win against Seattle, but still looked like the, like they still were... like Seattle kind of gave it away to them with some poor kicking and some poor penalties. I think Minnesota looked like a more disciplined team, and with all the holes on that Washington offensive line, I expect Minnesota will get a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins. That should be the telling factor in this game, and Minnesota continue to rack up the kind of wins which uh, give them confidence, despite Case Keenum. Yeah. Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. We're taking Indianapolis across the board. Uh, I think this is pretty self-evident. Have you seen Indianapolis? <laughs> I, think, I think you said. Uh, I think you might have accidentally said we're taking Indianapolis across the board. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, we're taking Pittsburgh across the board. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, this Indianapolis team is dog shit. Uh, Pittsburgh looking good. I'd imagine this is going to be... They, all, they, they tend to have those games where they just like kickstart their engine and they kind of... 
their offense starts to fire up and then it gets ready for like a run at the back half of the season. This this has that game written all over it. Um, next up is Houston at the LA Rams. Oh God, poor Houston. Uh, we've taken the LA Rams across the board, Harry. Have you seen Houston's quarterback room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, um, Houston are just falling to pieces. They have no nobody healthy left essentially. Um, yeah. What more can you say? Like this is a Rams team that's getting hot. This is a Houston team that is literally having the like legs fall off players. The, 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 there's nothing they're going to do. Tom Savage isn't. Tom Savage does not win you games. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Neither does T.J. Yates or whoever the fuck else it was they signed. Yeah, it's a it's a rough one. Uh, next up is my pick of the week: the New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I've gone Battle for, for the number two pick. Yes. Yeah, I've gone for the Giants. Fitz has gone for San Fran and uh, Harry you've gone for I've seen things you people wouldn't believe attack ships on the fire of the shoulder of Orion I've watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser gate all those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain time to die Uh, very nice I can't quite place the quotation I do recognise that's it yeah Um, so who (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is really difficult. I'm going to go with... The, oh. I'm going to go with the Giants. Fair enough. Giants, Giants it is. Um, yeah, I've picked this as my game of the week because it's going to be different. Uh, it's going to be uh, like an, an auteur's interpretation of the concept of televised professional sports. <laughs> Um, At what point can you still call this football? <laughs> there are feet and there are balls. Uh, oh man! Yeah, I've heard of those fetish videos of professional sports. They never they, they can be. Uh, <laughs> Rex Ryan in here. Yeah, um, yeah. This is basically this is probably going to be the decider on well, who's going to get the second and who's going to get the third pick, probably because if San Fran happened to win this, like the Browns are probably not winning. So uh, this is this is very important in terms of that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because these teams are both so bad, they might have good games against each other because they match up on equal levels. So you could get something out of it that way. But also, this is again a slate of games where a lot of these feel one-sided and this one genuinely have no idea what's going to happen. Like, this could be won entirely by, like, three safeties to two. <laughs> Not caused by anything other than, like, quarterbacks throwing it in the wrong direction. Well, so, one, one interesting note is that the quarterback situation in both teams is now somewhat in flux. Rumour, like McAdoo has publicly said, that he would consider benching Manning going yeah. forward, which means uh, we could have a Geno Smith Gino. signing. Oh, exciting. There was a Geno yeah. Smith signing last week. There's nothing yeah, not good. Nothing and says I'm trying to see. Jimmy G in San Francisco, will he play? Can they avoid Can they avoid being like playing with their toy for another week? Oh, lots of excitement like, there. If, if Ben McAdoo <laughs> brings on Geno Smith, he doesn't want to keep his job. Like you might as well just yeah. paint a big neon sign on your back saying "Fire me, please." Oh yeah, um, this is this is definitely going to be an interesting one, guys. Definitely don't watch it. Uh, Dallas <laughs> at Atlanta. This is Ronan's game. Will watch it for you. <laughs> uh, um, we've gone uh, Dallas Atlanta. I've gone for Dallas. Fitz has gone for Atlanta, and Harry has gone for Dallas. And this is Ronan's game of the week. So tell us a bit about this one, Ronan. Yeah, so uh, as it's the running theme, uh, I like picking teams that are on the bubble, as it were, uh, between relevancy and relevancy. Obviously, in that case, that 
that applies more to Atlanta right now, where they're coming off a difficult uh, within division loss to uh, Carolina, as we talked about. And we, I've talked at length about Atlanta's uh, tri- tribulations, but they're at home. They're against a division rival. We know they're very talented. Can they put it together? They showed lots of decent moments last year. Week. It's just about putting together enough uh, and actually showing the, the kind of performances we saw last year. And then we have Dallas, which obviously Ezekiel Elliott could or could not be, might or might not be playing in this week. And obviously there's kind of intrigue either way because obviously they are riding the shit out of Ezekiel Elliott right now. Like they are actually just literally burning his body onto the altar of the football gods and telling him to basically win games for them. And overall, Dallas is starting to round into the team that we saw last year and looking like a genuine contender in the AFC. Now, I think they're too far behind the Eagles uh, to probably catch up. And obviously, the Ezekiel Elliott, when that suspension eventually happens, if it does happen, uh, will probably set them back enough that they won't be able to catch up. So they're really going to be going in as a wild card. But they are the kind of team, if they're in the playoffs as a wild card, uh, you know, the cliche is no one would want to play them. And I think in a wild card hunt, which will be very packed between the two teams likely competing from the NFC South in Carolina Atlanta, uh, with the Seahawks or the LA Rams missing out in the NFC West, and obviously with uh, Dallas uh, figuring in there as well, uh, and Detroit, the Detroit are possibly missing Minnesota as well in there. There's going to be a lot of competition for those two wild card spots. So Dallas needs to keep racking these wins up before it can. And it's a question of they're going away from home. They've looked really good the last few weeks, kind of keep that momentum going. And I suppose their defense has shown some improvement, but is that improvement going to be sufficient to shut down this Atlanta offense? Uh, like even this kind of somewhat bespoke Atlanta offense. I think it's a really interesting game with huge implications for what's going to happen in January. So I think for anyone who is interested in keeping an eye on the NFC, especially someone who is an NFC fan or NFC uh, yeah. team fan who, who's relevant, it's really important. And obviously these two teams, while they've had their tribulations, are actually decent teams. So it should be a good game as well. Okay. And pretty close. So, Fitz, so keep an eye out for this one. So Fitz, once again, you've picked Atlanta... <laughs> And then you've given us a good four minutes of explanation as to why Dallas are going to win this game. Well, I've, I've literally talked about Atlanta three times in the last two weeks, so... I know, but, but it's you, like, you, but your entire argumentation is Dallas are rounding into form, they're going to be really good, it's going to be tough to get into the wildcard spots, so it's important for them okay, to win, one, and they're set up to beat this type of team. One sentence, why do Atlanta win? Because they're at home. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I feel like Atlanta have to turn the corner, they're too good not to, it's kind mm. of... This feels like it could be a statement of the game against a Dallas team, which, has, while having showing a lot of impressive form, kind of still feels like it has holes, especially yeah. not defense, that can be exploited. Of course. And uh, Next up, we have New England at Denver. We've taken New England across the board. Uh, Harry? Tom Brady gets to get his revenge on Brock Osweiler. Oh, wow. And yeah. yeah, like... That's a real rivalry. <laughs> Brock Osweiler is 1-0 against Tom Brady. Uh, oh, interesting. Um, I saw, apparently, Tom Brady is number... 39 on the QB earning index this year uh, just above Tom Savage but behind two people who are no longer playing yeah Brady's got really weird structure in his deals but um, look he doesn't matter he loses his wife's money it's fine he can it's buy true. all the avocados he wants um, but look Denver's defense is still good although God knows um, Philly did them an absolute number on them it yeah. turns out no matter how good you are if you can't get off the field and if your offense can't Sustain a drive for more than three downs, you will get tired and you will get dumped on. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Yep. New England's defense isn't probably isn't as good as Philly's, but it doesn't matter. Denver's offense is trash and mm-hmm. will continue to be trash. 
and New England will just run away with this. Well, they probably won't because New England haven't been doing that, but New England will make this comfortable, I think. Yeah, that would be good. And finally, Miami and Carolina. We're taking Carolina across the board. Why, you say? Because Carolina are a pretty decent team, if not anywhere near a perfect team. Miami played a good game, but we do not expect them to even play to that level again this time around. They're also travelling. It's also, come on, it's Jay Cutler. Um, they've got they traded away their best running back. They have issues of their locker room not wanting to play anymore. Like, yeah, there's a whole heap of reasons. But let's just say, Carolina, longer week to prepare... At home, yeah, we'll go with Carolina. So that'll cover up the games for this week. Uh, obviously, because we were doing the half-year review stuff, we didn't get to your questions, but we've got a few of them stored up, and please send any new ones you have in through the Twitter, through the Facebook, through the Pornhub, and through all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the Pornhub thing isn't working. We just keep getting questions about um, what underwear Connor's wearing. So uh, <laughs> The answer is none. Uh, <laughs> That's why it's Pornhub. <laughs> Yeah, we were considering doing a, doing a, a, a Facebook Live event, but then it turns out that they don't like some of our swearing and things like that. So instead, we've just attached a webcam underneath the table, and we're just live streaming on Pornhub. Oh my god, that's up a fucking cam girl account, but it's just us talking about <laughs> Like, we're going to picture some like, little sexy lady. Phenomenal. People will log on with me. Yeah, <laughs> we should do that. That would be great, crack, actually. There we go. That's that's our, that's our first off-season one done. That's yes. what we're going to do for our Boom. first off-season. We're going to get banned from Pornhub. Yes. And then then how will our listeners message us? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, so any other cracks? Obviously, I'm hitting down for the sporty Saturday with yourself down in Cork. Any plans for the weekend yourself? Uh, this weekend? new. No, I actually don't. Um... But I said that about last weekend, I ended up drinking for three days, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll play it by ear and we'll see how it goes, I think, is the approach. Yeah, no, it should be good crack, because I think I've got Friday off work, so I'm going to do a whole rig of study, because I realised, so I started the course, I'm going to need to put some study time in, and obviously the thing would be, like, do some during the week and then, like, spend a day each weekend doing it. Uh, this weekend I'm down to Cork, next weekend I'm off to Kerry, the weekend after I'm off to Donegal, and the weekend after is the weekend for the first assignment is due, so I'm just going to when are you going to watch your football? <laughs> Flat to the mat. <laughs> If you calculate the amount of time it takes you to get from one place to another based on the acceleration, that would be a decent calculus lesson while you're on the bus. It could so. be, but unfortunately they don't mm. like this lifelong learning. They're like, read the fucking shit we send you and do the assignment <laughs> questions that we give you. I've got to say, like, like, I'm just waiting for like over the next few weeks, like Connor's introductions to the game set to be ropier and ropier as yeah. he slowly watches less and less football. Yeah. <laughs> so um, two teams were playing, one was home and one was away, and one of them won. Talk. <laughs> Connor, this game's a tie. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but yeah, I so will the... soon join my algorithm bandwagon for all the <laughs> games just to save on both brain space and also for mathematical uh, practice. There, there was, if the Chargers win, I believe. There was, um, there, was a, there was one, I was reading uh, some, uh, some reviews of the games and clearly, I think it was one of the ESPN sites, they had a little algorithm that was meant to populate bits for it and it had gotten mixed up. So like, <laughs> I was reading it and it was like... A, this receiver uh, had a had a season high eighty six catches for five yards, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That has to be some kind of record." Uh, no, that's are you sure it wasn't just Tavon Austin? <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, but as well as that'll do for now. Like I said, drop in any questions you have uh, to ourselves on whatever media thing you can find us. We've got a new Etsy store uh, in which we just sell bullshit opinions, which is pretty good. Uh, so that'll do for this week. So it's bye from myself, bye from Harry, bye, bye from Roland. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you next week.